to get into red flags in relationships. And these are red flags that are mainly you're going to want to look for while during the dating period. So if you're married, it's a little bit too late. But these are red flags that you don't want to ignore. And it's going to be important to start out with a caveat that just because somebody has one of these things doesn't necessarily mean that it's a red flag in and of itself. Well, the way I interpret that is it's something you ought to pay attention to. I think the way I would frame it is it doesn't necessarily mean you end the relationship. Yes, I think what it means is that... it's important to have a dialogue about it and I like that. be able to talk about it and express your concerns and, you know, if there's a solution or change in behavior. So none of these necessarily mean that you end the relationship. Some might actually when we get yeah. through them. But yeah, I think that the important thing in relationships that, and we talk about this on the radio show a lot, people tend to ignore them. I think the reason is, You know, early on in a relationship, you're falling in love and there's a lot of physical attraction. And I mean, typically, you you know, if you're single, you don't have kids yet. And so you have a lot of time to spend together Mm -hmm. and you might be aware of one of these red flags and you think, oh, that won't be a problem or the the feelings that you've got are so strong right now because of the start of the relationship. But what I say to couples often is that some things are not a problem until you have children. Yep. And maybe you're in a relationship, but you know, that you, you both, you don't want to have children, which is Mm -hmm. fine. I'm not saying Mm -hmm. everyone has to have children. It's just, you know, the vast majority of couples are planning a family. And so that's what I would suggest you think about. Can I be a parent with this other person when they're doing this thing? I think that's Mm -hmm. one of the things that you need to consider. So don't ignore the red flags. Yeah. If it's a big red flag, maybe you do end the relationship, but at yes. least you talk about it. And we'll let you know, because I mean, I'm, I was reading this list and I was like, oh yeah, the, there's a couple of these where I would turn tail and run. I mean, it uh-huh. would be an immediate yeah. end of the relationship for right. me, or at least it would have been. But I really like the way you put it, that it warrants a dialogue because Some of these, it's like, well, there could be a reason. There could be an underlying cause. And so let's start with a really good one that's complicated, that definitely, and I think you mentioned in here, relationships with families of origin. Oh, yeah. So that is very important in a relationship because we all know that when you marry someone, you're marrying into their family and you cannot escape that. And in most cases, nor should you. And so especially, and you said, especially their parents and how do they treat their parents? Mm -hmm. Now that warrants a conversation because I mean, not all parents are great parents. I mean, we know that there are parents who are manipulative, who are abusive. And, you know, sometimes it's very warranted for people to keep their parents at an arm's length. And so that's not necessarily a red flag if there's that kind of relationship. Right. And so I agree with you, you know, that sometimes there's a great book. It's an old book called Toxic Parents, which is actually a very good book. But see, if you have a troubled relationship with your parents, I would say you create that distance. It doesn't mean that you treat them poorly. Like if you're with them and you're treating them poorly, I still think that's a red flag, even if the parents are problematic. Mm -hmm. See, I would say the healthier thing to do would be, you know, to create some distance. If if you need distance from the parents, don't treat them poorly. That's not good for you. It's not good for them. And again, it goes to children. I mean, if you think about this, 
let's say you have children and they become grandparents. Mm-hmm. You don't want your kids seeing you treat their grandparents that way. Yes. And I think grandparents are really important in kids' life, but I think it's better to have distance rather than treat them poorly. So mm-hmm. I think you pay attention to, are they respectful? Are they kind? I think the respect is really important. But again, I we both realize that there are parents that it's hard to yes. show to. And mm-hmm. so if that's the case, then I think you figure out a way so that you don't have to be around them that often. I'm a real yeah. advocate for the for creating boundaries. We've talked about yeah. you know, boundaries in parents with families of origin before. And I think that it doesn't necessarily mean you don't have that get to be around those parents. I think you just create the boundaries. But that very first thing, you know, you're going to be around once you meet the other person's parents, pay attention to what's going on. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I probably should have put this one down. Pay attention to how the parents treat your partner. Mm, I yeah. think that's important too. Yeah. And I would say that doesn't mean you break off the relationship. I just think you have to have a dialogue about it because looking down the road, what does that look like? Let's say the relationship gets stronger, you get married, you end up having kids. And 20 years from now, the, those parents are treating their child very poorly. Yeah. That becomes problematic. And I think if you talk about it early on, mm-hmm. then it's easier to deal with. Yes. You know, you found someone that you like, you're interested in, you want to pursue the relationship. You need to pay attention to these things before right. you make that commitment. So I think the takeaway on this one is just pay attention to the, what I, I call it family of origin, family of origin relationship. Yeah. Or they're important and they can be very enlightening. And mm-hmm. you have to think of it... Or at least I'm suggesting strongly you think of it in terms of the future. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of this for myself, Curtis had a rather troubled childhood. And his mom, she she did the best she could, given the circumstances. And, you know, she'll admit that she made some poor choices, particularly in marrying some people that she did. And I really admired the fact that he still loved and respected his mother. And that was something that was important to me. And I think one of the reasons that you pay attention to the way your spouse treats their parents is because eventually that's the way they're going to treat you. That's true. They're very similar. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I mean, because when you're first in love and, you know, and it's exciting and it's new, they're putting their best foot forward. It's like you're trying to sell yourself. Right. And so, you know, (laughs) you are. Yeah. So, you know, you're treating each other with all this love and kindness and you think, oh, man, they'd never treat me that way. Well, I'm telling you, 10, 15 years down the road, they're going to be just as familiar and comfortable with you as they are with their parents. Right. And it's going to happen. All right. Let's talk about anger or outbursts. So Mm -hmm. anger. Now, anger in and of itself doesn't necessarily make it a red flag because anger is a valid emotion and it's okay to be angry. It's that uncontrolled anger that is a red flag. Or what I'd call explosive anger. And one of the ways I describe it to couples is a flood. You're flooding. Physiologically, you're flooding and it causes you to react in a very big way. And so I think you have to pay attention to that and pay attention to the context in which it happens. Yes. Does it happen with the, well, family again? Does it happen with you mm-hmm. as a potential partner? Does it happen with friends? And that's, that can be really problematic because mm-hmm. that and often is hard to change. 
Now, again, I think if you have the dialogue and the, and the person who has that uncontrolled anger realizes it, I think they have to really have a plan on how they learn to control it, which could be therapy. I certainly don't think taking drugs, uh, you know, medication is a way to go on that. Mm -hmm. uh, med meditation and exercise, all those big, those things that we've talked about. Yeah. But you have to, you have to figure out what's going on when that person floods and then has that explosive anger. Don't mm -hmm. ignore that. Yes, definitely. And everyone has a limit, right? I mean, mm -hmm. we've all experienced regret or done and said things in anger that we regret. That's very natural and a very human emotion. But how often does that happen? That's something that you don't ignore. And it's worth a conversation. Right. And I think I'll just, you know, the final thing I'll say on this is there is a very big physiological component. To yeah that uncontrolled anger. And often people don't realize that. And the only way you solve that is to figure out what's going on physiologically and then mm -hmm. work on that as yeah. well. That's why I call it the flooding because usually there's something going on where physiologically they're flooding. Yeah. All right. Having no friends. And now this is one of those ones that it's like, I don't know that it necessarily means ending the relationship, but it's something to look at because there's all sorts of reasons for people not having, I guess, maybe a lot of friends, right? I mean, some people mm -hmm. are just antisocial. And if you're okay with that, then, okay, you know, maybe both of you kind of tend to be antisocial and have no friends. But if you're a really outgoing person and this person has no friends, that might be a problem. So I need, I need to make a, a statement about the word antisocial. From a psychological perspective, we think of that in a very different way. That's so true. You know, I would call them maybe introverts. Antisocial yeah. for us is actually someone who doesn't follow social norms. It's not necessarily they don't have friends. Antisocial personality disorder, for instance, is someone who, like a sociopath. Would, yes. I mean, that's another term. So I just don't want people to be confused who are listening. So we use antisocial in a very different way. I would call them introverts, probably. Yeah. Here's the reason to be aware of it. And again, you know, as I'm thinking, looking at this list, a lot of this has to do with what happens 10 years down the road. Mm -hmm. And so I'm actually dealing with a couple right now where one of the partners does not have friends. And so what happens is they're totally dependent on the other person for any type of mm. um, connection. And that gets to be really, really tough. Yeah. Person because they're fulfilling all this, their partner's needs and the, it can be exhausting. And the person who is doing that said that they will use the term, I feel smothered. Yeah. And okay. so I think that you have to think about what would that be like 10 years down the road if you're the only outlet mm -hmm. for that person. And so, again, a dialogue is important to, you know, get to the idea, well, what is going on that you don't have many friends? Is it yeah. that you're an introvert? And then the other part of that would be, especially if one of you is more social and the other is more of an introvert, then if I want to go out and have fun, am I going to have to do that alone? Mm -hmm. Or are you going to come out? Will you be uncomfortable? Um, that happens all the time where you have yep. an extrovert and an introvert that get married. And then, and again, I'm not, I'm Lindy's more of an extrovert than I am. And I'm a real introvert, but we can, I can go out and socialize and be fine. But again, it's, you have to look beyond what's happening right now 
and mm-hmm. anticipate what the future might look like. Yes. And so you and Lindy sound a lot like Curtis and I, where he's definitely more introverted, but he can go out and socialize. And I think another important thing, at least in our relationship, is he understands that I am an extrovert and that I need that social interaction. And so he doesn't hold me back. That's important in a relationship. And that's important to talk about early on, because if I want to go out and have fun with my friends, he very much encourages that. He says, yeah, go, go have lunch with your friends, go be social. I'm content to just sit here and play video games. And that works great for us. Right. And I've seen couples, though, where that person isn't happy when the other one goes out. They try and hold them back. And see, that's part of what I'm meaning, you anticipate what the future looks like, because yeah. I, th- I think the way you do that is great. You know, go go out, have fun. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't always happen. Yeah, yeah. And, and so it's problematic. Yeah, and so I think it's it's worth a dialogue and it's worth thinking, I like you said, into the future because, you know, when you're so in love and in the beginning of that relationship, you only want to spend all your time together anyways. Right. And I don't know, maybe Curtis might have felt a little smothered in the beginning of our relationship <laughs> because I just wanted to spend all my time with him because I was yeah. just so in love with him. But well, I like other people too. Not as much <laughs> as him, but I do like other people. <laughs> all right. So this one, I would consider an instant red flag, turn tail and run. And that is okay. not kind. That's not kind to others like wait staff in restaurants. And when you sit, when I read this, I'm like, oh, okay, I've heard of someone like this, someone who is belittling, like, oh, they're beneath my station. That is a major red flag because that is very pompous and arrogant. And yeah. that does not sound like something you want to be married to. Right. I don't know that I'd necessarily turn and run, but I'd sure address it and say, I don't like this behavior. Can you change it? I mean, I okay. yeah. different words than that, but mm-hmm. um, essentially that's what you're after because the person who's being that way, you know, rude or uh, condescending to wait staff or other, other people, yeah, they may not even realize what they're doing. And, okay. but I, I think it's important to talk about it. And if you know, you're going to get some people who say, well, that's just the way I am. If you ever hear that, yeah. that's just the way I am. That's a bit, I didn't write that down, but that's a big red flag. Because yeah. What they're essentially saying is, I'm not going to change and I don't really yep. need to change. Yeah. And I really think that marriage is, a, I'm just gonna, I think it's about changing. I it think we're dynamic through the lifespan yeah. And Lindy and I often talk about how 45 years ago, we are, we're very different people now Oh yeah. than we were 45 years ago. And one of the things that makes it work is that we've changed together and accepted mm-hmm. the changes yeah. uh, in, in each other. And so I think people can change, but if you ever hear, nah, it's just the way I am, that's a huge red flag. I probably would run on that one. Yeah. Yep. All right. So... This one, I am going to say another turn tail and run, and that is not kind of pet. And I probably agree with you on that. Yeah. Um, And people probably realize that it's one of the things you look at in young children and adolescents. It's a Mm -hmm. real marker for, I'll use the word disturbed behavior. Yeah. And so if you then have an adult who does that, I think I'd probably lead to. Yeah. That is absolutely not a good sign. No, it's really not. 
And I want to differentiate between being unkind to pets and not caring for pets. Not, you may not be a pet person. That's yes. not what we're talking about. But yes, either being mean or kicking or hitting or yeah. being abusive to pets, to small animals. That's really what we're talking about. All right. So controlling behavior often goes with lack of trust issues or anxiety. So if a person is anxious... Yes. I've probably talked about this before that in many couples that I see, one or both might be anxious. And anxiety, you know, in extreme forms is difficult to live with Mm -hmm. because it does that. One of the things that we do when we're anxious is we try and control our environment. Yes. We have to have things a certain way. And so I think if you're with someone who tends to be controlling, there's really, I think there's almost always an underlying issue that's. Mm -hmm going with that. Now, it often goes with lack of trust as well. And so, you know, for instance, if you've been in a relationship before and say you've been cheated on or betrayed in some way in a previous relationship, then it's often the case that in your current relationship, you may not be as trusting. Again, I think it's anxiety. Your anxiety is the other person going to, you know, cheat on me like the other uh, one did then I think it becomes controlling. Like, So when I'm talking about controlling, it's like, I want to know where you are all the time. I want you to call me all the time. I want, yep. you know, checking in. And that's one of those that I think you really need to address. And mm-hmm. I will even go so far as to say, you start, you need to start getting help with it. Yeah. So again, I don't know that it's a break off the relationship. Yeah. It's just one of those things that if it's not treated, mm-hmm. if it's left uncontrolled, then again, five years in, you know, it's very problematic because you right. get t- you get tired of being saying, where are you? When are you coming home? Yep. Who did you go to lunch with? That type of thing, because mm-hmm. either you're anxious or you're distrustful. Yeah. And that can very much stem from families of origin. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Right. I mean, and they don't have to be break off the relationship but it's just something to be aware of, you know, and maybe the controlling behavior is something you can live with. Like I'm thinking of people who have obsessive compulsive disorder or who just really like things neat. And a lot of times people who are very anxious because they can control their environment and having a clean house often calms their anxiety or it makes them very anxious to have an untidy environment. And so, you know, again, that's about, that's a control thing, but it's something that is very easily to live with as long as you're okay living with it. Right. And I think, I still think for a lot of people, it gets to be difficult in the long okay. term. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because I've seen it. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think you're right. There are probably some people who can live with that, but I've certainly seen it where couples come in and, you know, the, this guy's cleaning all the time and, you know, it's fine for the first 10 years. And after that, it becomes problematic. You get tired of it. You wear out. Mm, and, okay. and so you wear out of having to, you know, always put the thing back in the exact same place or check the lock on the door three times before you come to bed. Mm-hmm. But again, I want to emphasize that these particular issues like that can be treated. Yeah. And it's just if the person who has those particular issues is willing to recognize it, Mm-hmm. and then willing to do something about it and seek some treatment because I think you can. I don't know that you'd ever take it away completely, but you yeah. can certainly diminish it to the point where it would be tolerable. And yeah. So again, having the dialogue before, talking about it before, don't just think I can live with this Yeah. because 
in all likelihood, you probably won't be able to at a long term after mm-hmm. a year. Yeah. Yes. All right. So issues with substance abuse or dependence. This is one I would really, really not ignore. I mean, I would say it borderlines on turn, tail and run, but it can be iffy because, I mean, it depends on the substance abuse and the dependence, right? But I mean, that is a major red flag that you do not ignore. Right. And so... I want to be clear, like if someone is in recovery and so Mm -hmm. they were, say, using substance, again, that's a good thing. And that doesn't mean you break off the relationship. It's just here's the one that's common nowadays. And it's a little bit concerning because certainly cannabis is legal in I don't know how many states, certainly a lot. lot. Yeah. And often I'll see young couples and they're using cannabis. And when they're single, you know, it's probably fine. And, you know, one might be using it and the other might not. It's, as I said earlier, when it changes is when you have children. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, but, you know, any substance use, here's the other thing to remember, and I think this is true for any substance, is that it alters your emotional state. Mm -hmm. And so you become someone different. Yeah. And you have to decide, do you want to be with that person when they're using that substance? Mm -hmm. And in some ways it takes you out of the current relationship it it's like you can't be truly emotionally intimate yeah. in that moment and so you know as the partner as the non-using partner are you okay having the other person check out everyone's mm-hmm. now most people aren't and yeah so that's why you you need to address this and it it's a big red flag yeah will... alcohol use can be the same thing if you're yeah. if you're binge drinking like and, and again, you know, it's not, can you have a drink, uh, you know, every so often or, you know, a glass of wine at night? That's not the problem. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. Are you binge drinking? Are you getting drunk? Are you drinking enough every night that you're checking out? Yeah. That you become a little bit drunk, but, you know, not entirely. It changes who you are. Yes. Yeah. I mean, because there are many, many people who enjoy social drinking or right. you know or who enjoy a glass of wine that's not a problem and i even recreational cannabis use like some people they they right. enjoy that kind of thing recreational it's and that's not necessarily a problem it's when it's repeated right and so you know it, and it's one of those things that you talk about early on in the relationship you know, how often do you like to drink? How often do you like to do drugs? You know, like th- that's good to know early on because yeah. if they say, oh yeah, I like to do it all the time. Okay. Well, what about when you have kids? Right. Yeah. Again, because like you said, it's when you have kids, it changes. Right. And how do you know, how do you have that emotional connection if you're yeah. high most of the time? Yep. So yeah, I agree with you. And he- here's one of the ways that I think you can tell because I've heard people talk about it this way. They look back and they say that the substance use, whatever it was, made them feel uncomfortable. Mm, And so you're going to have this internal realization of either I'm uncomfortable or something doesn't feel quite right. Pay attention to that. Do not ignore that. Pay attention. All right. So this next one, oh, it's probably really common. Excessive amount of time on social media. That is a red flag to be sure, but it's so common these days because social media is so addicting. It is. So there's a new book out. I don't think I mentioned it's called The Chaos Machine. Okay. And the premise behind the book is, and I think I've talked about AI, so that artificial intelligence and the way they use it in social media. 
its goal is to hook you and to keep you on the phone or the tablet and to keep mm. you scrolling and to keep you clicking. That's yeah. what is the goal because yep. in the end, you know, they make more money through advertising or, you know, whatever it is. So it's all about money. It acts just like a drug and you ought to consider that it is a drug mm -hmm. because people are addicted to it, just like you said. And so I hear this often, he or she is always on their phone. He or she is always on social media. Yeah. I had, a new, I had a new couple client on Thursday. That's what it was. So I think you can change that. Yeah. I think it's an addiction that can easily be changed, but you know, often the person doesn't want to. Yeah. And so again, over time, you're going to get tired of it because you aren't as important to that person as their social media is. Yeah. And another thing to keep in mind is because I know many people who social media is their platform that they run their business on. That is very, very common. And that doesn't necessarily mean it's a problem, but are you okay with that? Because oftentimes when someone is running a business on social media, they have to put a lot of time in it, maybe not an excessive amount of time, but they do have to invest time. They have to look presentable for the camera. They have to advertise their product or their services, whatever they're selling. It's one of those things. It's an important dialogue to have early on in the relationship. Right. And I've certainly run into couples where that's the case. And here's yeah. what I would say about that. And this is actually true about, you know, in COVID, where a lot of people are working at home, there's not a very good delineation between work and home. Yes. And so again, if you need that social media for your work, which is true for many, many businesses, yes, I think you need to have an end to it. Meaning, yeah. you know, you're working, you know, whether it's eight to five, whatever it is, but at some point in the evening, you're done. It's a boundary. You've got to it's have a boundary. boundary. So yep. It's not that you don't do it. You know, if it's important to your business, it's just, you have to be able to turn that off. Yeah. And part of the problem with social media, it's very difficult to turn it off yep. because then, you know, you end work at five or whenever it is, and then you're focused on your partner. And yeah. that's, that's really all the partner typically wants. It's not necessarily the social media itself. Mm -hmm. It's the lack of focus on the other person that yes. becomes the problem. Where are you investing your time? Yeah. Yeah. That so, matters. Yeah. And if it's during the work day, fine. Yeah. Fine. Well, that, that's great. But you have to end it. And the yeah. problem is usually all this stuff is on our phones and we typically have our phones with us all the time. Yep. So it's really easy. So it's just about setting the boundary. Yeah. yeah. All right. This one I am also going to say is another turn tail and run. Any type I, of. I would of, agree with you on that. Yeah. I think that's true. Any type of abusive behavior, physical, emotional, or verbal. It's not okay. And don't let someone be a project. Don't think, oh, I'm going to be the one to save this person and to be able to get them to stop their abuse. If there's abuse going on, I think you just need to say, you know, if we're going to ever consider a serious relationship, you have to deal with this problem first. I can't be involved with this because abuse is just not a road you want to go down. Right. I wouldn't put up with it. I mean, I think it's pretty simple to yeah. say that any type of abusive behavior. Yes. Yep. That one's pretty quick. So this one, oof, oh, this one is another borderline one. Self-centered has trouble with empathy. That would be an ender in my book. Like I couldn't, I couldn't deal with that. I didn't use the word narcissistic, but you know, it's yeah. a, 
a little bit narcissistic. And the problem is that the relationship is not reciprocal, doesn't feel yeah. reciprocal. Yep. And I think that's what you want over time is you want to have it be, it's never really equal, but, you know, caring for each other, yes. doing things for each other. But if it's just one, because what that is being self-centered, having trouble with empathy is pretty one-sided. Yeah. And, and that gets old pretty fast. So no, one likes no matter how much you are attracted to or love that person, because yeah. often those people can be very engaging and yep. pretty charismatic. Yeah. I, it's just not worth it. Yeah. I knew someone like that. I worked with, they were so friendly and they were open and they were outgoing and like, they were just so inviting and they talked to you and, you, and then you get to know them and it's like, oh, wow, yeah, this person doesn't listen to anybody or anything anyone else says. And they always have to do things their way. Yeah. That's a problem. I mean, it, it may is. not seem like one now, but it will be. I guarantee it, will, it, it is definitely a problem. And, you know, the issue is you fall in love and you think, oh, I really want to be with this person. And they have this really hard trait or behavior. It's not going to change. No. That particular one is just not going to change. Yep. All right. So this last one is another iffy one, but it is a red flag and you don't ignore it. Does not take care of themselves physically or emotionally. And you kind of paired this with sleep issues. Yeah. Now, sleep issues are pretty common in today's day and age. And a sleep issue in and of itself is not a red flag. I mean, it warrants a conversation, but it's not. In, I mean, I guess it depends on how long the sleep issue has been going on. If it's a chronic sleep issue and they're aware of it and they're dealing with it, you know, hey, kudos to them. Right. The dealing with it is the key there, though. Yeah. Yes. See, a lot yeah. of people don't deal with the sleep issues. And I think that uh, lack of sleep makes everything harder. Yes. Uh, you don't have the emotional reserves that you might need when in the relationship you need some good emotional reserves because all relationships are going to get bumpy. Mm -hmm. And then again, as I've mentioned before, let's say you have children. And you have that lot, I mean, you're going to have natural lack of sleep anyway, but if it's yes. if it's a chronic lack of sleep, then th that becomes a problem. But I want to echo something you said, you know, that it doesn't necessarily mean that you end the relationship, but I think you have to deal with it. Yes. You know, not taking care of self physically. I mean, that could be, you know, showering. It's kind oh, of yeah. Basic high hygiene things. Yes. Don't let that go. Or exercise. It can be, you know, not getting enough exercise, not taking care of oneself emotionally, mm -hmm. I think is, again, self-care is important. Do you take time out for yourself? Do you go on walks? Things like that, you know, just taking care of yourself emotionally. Sometimes I'll see people, they have a job and mm -hmm. they're so invested in the job and they're just working all the time. See, I would say they aren't taking care of themselves physically yeah. or emotionally if you're a workaholic. And so that's an example of, of what we're talking about is you need downtime. Yeah. You, you need, need downtime physically and emotionally. Yeah. Because uh, after a while, it just gets to be too hard. It comes down to balance, you know, is mm -hmm. this, is this like person, yeah, is, is this person balanced? You know, I mean, because we all get busy and life gets hectic. I really like that. That's a good way yeah. to end our, the episode is yeah. that for couples and for individuals. I think there is a tendency in our culture today to get our life out of balance. Yeah. And, and it's really important to be balanced in work. It's I think it's important to work. It's important to take down time. It's important to have alone time. It's important mm -hmm. to have friend time and couple time. 
and yeah. they don't determine balance. That's what you're after. Yeah. And so these are red flags that you don't ignore, but I don't want people to walk away from this episode thinking, because is there ever, is there a good person anywhere? And so, I mean, you have to remember we are people, not unicorns. And so like okay. no one's perfect. We all, we all no have, yeah, we all have flaws and we all have things in life that we're going to have to work on. And I think the theme, maybe the theme that has emerged is for most of these, have a dialogue about them. Yeah. Start talking about them. Don't wait until you're married to have the dialogue. Yes. Talk about it yeah. before. Yeah. And then a lot of these issues can be dealt with mm-hmm. and can be treated. So don't wait five years to then say, hey, you know, this has been a problem for five years. Deal with it before. So I like that. The, it's mostly about addressing it. Yeah. Don't ignore it. Address it. Yeah. For most of these, some of them, most of them, the 